Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast, breaking down politics as we know it and removing all the bullshit. (laughs) Because politics needed a (laughs) rebrand. There is apparently, in the United States of America, the U.S. of A., an election happening. Did you hear this rumor? It was like, I think I got like a weird news alert, but like you just never know, like, you know, do I trust like my Apple news? I don't know, like, what's going on, but. That's wild. I wonder what's happening with all that. Honestly, like, I could, you know, I couldn't tell you. I've, I've just, you know, it was one little blimp in the radar. I honestly couldn't tell you either. I couldn't tell you either. <laughs> I don't know if anybody could tell you what's going on. Um, well, just kidding, everyone. We know there's an election. Joke's on you. <laughs> Welcome to Girl in the Gov, the podcast. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say about it, honestly. We are waiting for results still. Um Maybe when people are listening to this, there will be results. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Um, But it's been a wild ride the past 24 plus hours. Um, I hope everyone got their vote in and celebrated that they voted because that's awesome. If you did, um, be proud of that. Yeah, I mean, today we are... I was just like staring at my TV all day, really. Um, And I shouldn't (laughs) have done that, but I was. Um, (laughs) Very healthy. Basically, just hoping for some answers. Isn't that all we want in this world? Like, just answers. But today, our guest is a former professor of mine from LMU. He is a political science professor and was definitely one of my faves. Um... And he is just here to break down what is going on for us um, and, A, kind of what the results we're seeing are right now, but also kind of what to expect after this election and breaking down what our current president is saying and doing and claiming. Um, So here is Professor Fox. Um, Okay, well, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. 
we i mean what's going on like who knows um (laughs) that's what you're here for (laughs) you just refresh the results from pennsylvania every five minutes right oh i know i have cnn on this like other computer over here just waiting waiting but we will get into all of that in a second we do want to like kind of talk about you and your background and A, what you teach and where you teach. You're a former professor of mine. Oh, my favorites for sure. Years. The Congress class is going on right now. Is it? Oh my gosh. It's probably I should crazy. take you a picture. Like everybody has their, uh, they have a fake backdrop. Like they're on the house floor or they're on. Oh, it's all Zoom. <laughs> oh my Zoom, gosh. I totally Zoom. forgot. Oh my gosh. It was still, it's still getting crazy. quite heated on Zoom. I already had somebody <laughs> tell me that it was too, it was too upsetting for them. That it was too contentious. Oh my gosh. Well, Sam, for your reference, like we yeah. have a congressional simulation class. That's one of the oh my classes God. he teaches. Yes. So it's basically a full, every, like the students, take a senate role or journalist role or lobbyist lobbyists still come back for that class yeah, yeah, or... lobby. you did that <laughs> i was i was a lobbyist and i was a journalist first year and then i went back a second year to be a lobbyist <laughs> class. i loved it so right, much. I, I have eight lobbyists from last year help i need them we more than ever it. it's been harder to do online so oh that's great and then like okay and then that's such a president vice president and so you do a full-blown senate simulation it's really we're doing the house this year because the house stands against trump it was the senate then they the republican republican there wouldn't have been any would be less accurate so we're doing the house that's so true good (laughs) that's definitely smart um but no it's so fun and definitely gets so heated i'm so very very heated (laughs) Like students who are students who are liberal minded will like be playing a Republican senator or congressperson and like be have to oh like God. basically turn on that person, but they end up getting like heated for this like these views. I feel like they don't even no, <laughs> identify I with. I have I have somebody playing Kevin McCarthy, who's a Republican House Minority Leader, and he's a liberal, but he said, "Oh, I'll yeah. take the role. It'll be interesting to see." To, and like some, somebody in the class said he wasn't being a good person or a classmate and they like really hurt his feelings. <laughs> but they're really oh. just arguing in the politics. Oh, no. and like, I don't even believe what I'm saying and they're being mean. Yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh, that's so funny. Yeah, I remember it getting very heated. But anyways, right. what other classes do you teach I at teach, LMU? I uh, teach US government, Congressional politics, uh, median politics. Uh, this year, I'm teaching a first-year seminar. Uh, did they have that when you were here? First-year seminar yeah. on uh, median politics. It's called a Truth and Lies in Politics. So. Oh wow! Uh, Very I've, pertinent. I've also, <laughs> taught, I've also taught women in politics <laughs> and uh, parties and elections. Right, right. Yeah, and the other very. I guess pertinent part of having you on was the, the book that you wrote, Running from Office, Running, running from Office. Running from office. Why young <laughs> Yeah, running why young Americans are turned <laughs> off to politics. Yes. And so can you kind of explain that and like simply ask like what has your research? Well, for, shown? so most of my like, you know, we are we have our teaching side and then we have our research and scholarly side. And so most of my research side has been focused on the fundamental question, why does somebody run for office? Right? Why does a person decide to become an interested citizen in politics and then actually go and throw their hat into the ring? And then a lot of that is focused on gender differences and ambition, because since I started looking at this 20 years ago, there's stark differences between men's and women's interest and willingness to run for office. 
So my co-author and I, who's a professor at the University of Virginia, Jennifer Lawless, we're going to write a book and we're saying, how far back do these, uh, these differences in running from office go? Do men and women, boys and girls have them in high school or even middle school or is it in college? And so we started off to kind of get to the origins of the gender gap and people's interest in running for office. So then we surveyed, this was in 2013 or so, 4,000 high school and college students, right? And so like about their interest in one day running for office. And while the gender question was important, we felt like actually like hardly any of these people are interested. <laughs> like all like, yeah. like when I'm, wow. you know, I'm like 50, barely 51 or two, uh, like back in my day, like running for office was like an admirable thing to do. That was like, oh, you could be president someday. That's what your, your parents would tell you, right? Like that was a great thing. <laughs> And then we were just sort of uh, dumbstruck by how little interest and how much, you know, sort of disgust this young, the idealistic people of the future seem towards running for office. So that's how the book came about, right? So it's yeah. called Running From Office, not Running For Office, you know? Right? Yeah. Um, and so what did you guys find? Like, why are young people so disengaged from politics? Yeah, I mean, some of the reasons are kind of things we like, you know, like young people have always been disengaged. This has been going on for decades. They're just not, I don't know. Uh, you know lots of young people. You were young people recently. You are young people. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> Wait, am I so, not any? Am I? <laughs> you seem young. Um, like, so that's always been a lament. Is, oh, young people don't care about governance. And they've always voted at dramatically lower rates. You'll have like people over 65 voting at three times the rate of people under 25, you know. So this has always been an issue. But we found a lot of the regular reasons, their lives aren't very political. When they're with their friends, when they're online, when they're you know, on social media, they're not on political websites. They're not looking up political information. Um, they're not really pursuing politics in schools much, aside from the odd poli-sci major here or there, right? <laughs> Uh, but then what we did find is like, you know, their families and they're just very negative about politics. Like they think being a politician sounds like a terrible job. It sounds like an ugly thing to do. Why would right. I want to be part of that system? You know, it just sounds like, and that's like, we used to call it public service. Like that was a noble thing to do was to go run for yeah. office and see if you could improve your community. And now it's like, no, that sounds awful. Uh, I don't want to be part of that swamp. And so this was before our current politics. This was in, you know, the, the book came out in 2015. So that was a while back. So, yeah. uh, so the, what, was, what was jarring about it was one, like 7% of young people, these are idealistic people, ever think they might want to run for office one day, you know? And our yeah. government requires wow. lots of people to step forward. We have like 500,000 elected positions when you're like your town board, your school school council, your, uh, your water board, like we expect lots of people to sort of step up in part of their lives and run for office, but like 7% of our idealists are saying this is something they might consider someday. So that seemed very small to us. And then we just found so much disgust with politics, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's super interesting, too, because there are so many times we look at an election and we see that someone's won and we try and evaluate, OK, well, why did they win? What were they up against? And so much of the time, it's like they weren't even running against anyone because people just aren't even stepping up to do it. But I think the last few years, especially, you know, since Trump's been in office, have really we've started to see some differences, or at least I feel like I have, where I'm seeing more women than ever run for office and more people just become engaged. I even made this observation with my friends this morning in our group meeting. I was like, oh my gosh, like I, four years ago, the amount of conversation going on this morning on, you know, post-election would never be happening. And, you know, the, the culture around it seems to be shifting. So I think, you know, with that in mind, do you feel like we've really seen that shift? You know, that there's more youth 
starting to be interested in politics or do you think it maybe it's I, I hate to say this but a phase yeah, those, that's a great <laughs> question is we're the day after the election you were going to learn more because you know they start you know they start creating the exit polls and we're going to see what percentage of young people turned out and why they turned out and sort of look at generational education differences I will say that you know most people didn't want to get involved. Young people didn't want to get involved in politics because it was so ugly looking to them, right? It seemed like a swamp of, you know, negativity and criticism. And but Donald Trump sort of had a reverse effect. He actually mobilized a lot of people, young people, and what we call that negative partisanship or negative affectations. Like uh, uh, that, my Jennifer Lawson and I also did a study right after Trump called the Trump Effect. We didn't survey young people; we surveyed all people. And there's a group, and you mentioned women of women who felt like so dismayed and distraught by his election that it actually mobilized them to run for office. It's a small group, but you know, that it was a noticeable group. Uh, and yeah. I think, you know, young people voted overwhelmingly. We know this for sure for Biden, even though they weren't that excited about him. So it could, I mean, Trump's presence questions lots of things about our system. So it may be having that kind of mobilizing people, not in an inspirational way, but in a counter way. Like we need to get involved yeah. to stop this, right? Yeah. I mean, now it's at this point too i feel like especially i guess we'll get into what is happening with results but if biden wins you know do people start to disengage again but i don't know how do we keep young people engaged and keep this like flow of not only young people but also just like this flow of representation i don't have a very optimistic answer for that you know most of us who have you know so i've been a college professor for like 25 years and the most excited I ever saw students by far, not even was when Barack Obama was running the first time, right? So this like, oh my God, this class, I've never seen anything like the, the intro to US politics, it's electric, <laughs> right. you know, it's like fall of 2008 and they're all excited. And then he wins and that's like, okay, the elections are exciting. They're a game, they have a tangible outset. You can win it, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But then what happens is like, oh, but like passing like, you know, humane immigration reform or passing a healthcare bill or, or, you know, taking care of sort of, you know, mass incarceration or, you know, fair taxes, like that's a lot of work and it's boring and it's ugly. So that elections mobilize people. And then uh, this happened particularly with young people after Obama won the first time, then it's like, we don't keep engaged and we don't really know how to keep engaged. Yeah. So you won yeah. the election, you did all the work, you volunteered, you made calls, you contributed a little bit of money, right? You did everything you, but then it's like, what do you do now, yeah. right? After like, you know, but, so it's it, yeah. it's hard to keep people engaged, right? right? Yeah, so. I definitely think it's it's challenging. It's because no one gives you the next steps. Like once the results are in, you're like, okay, we back won, to my normal or we life. Lost. We won, so right? So. Yeah, yeah. Totally, because it's like it's like a spectator sport. You know, you're literally watching and refreshing the results and looking at percentages, and you're essentially evaluating the best players. But like to your point about Obama being the last time you saw people so excited, you think if we had had a younger candidate on the Democratic side, we would have seen the same level of excitement or could potentially have that again. Well, I think we could have that road. again. Like, is that I a think Obama, factor? It's funny when you look at these results coming in, I don't know if you were watching all the shows last night, like, oh, here's what the vote yeah. was in this county in 2012 and 2000. Like Obama inspired a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. People who normally wouldn't vote from old and young and middle age, right? And so he was a unique political figure in that regard. Um, young people, all of us would say, who teach on colleges and trap were most inspired by Bernie Sanders, but it wasn't the same yeah. level of excitement as with Obama, right? And yeah. I don't think the Democrats necessarily had anyone in the pool this year, even though they had 20 candidates or so that could engender that level of excitement. But I certainly think they could again, right? They could again have somebody that 
that sort yeah. of engaging. Right, right. Well, it's interesting too because Obama was more of like people were excited as for him as a candidate, but this year people are excited and engaged because of the person they're voting against. No, honestly, that, that's a big so. difference, right? I don't right. you. I don't know who your or any of your friends, colleagues, peers, uh, younger siblings. <laughs> did they like Biden? <laughs> right. Yeah, no, not really. I mean, especially if you look at the primary, no. <laughs> like he wasn't his, like the youth weren't no, into no. him in the primary, obviously. Trump so, was a but phenomenal yeah. negative yeah. motivator, and so that people get involved in politics for two reasons. In the old days, like Kennedy inspired a generation to want to like give back to your country, or so the you know myth goes. Yeah. But it seems often true. You can look at it, but like uh, you know, uh, Trump's had negative inspiration, right? I'm, this makes me so upset. I've got to do something. I'm going to get involved. Yeah. With that, I guess let's get into results and what is happening. Are you ready right for now. that? Are you ready? Um, no, not, not. <laughs> no. <laughs> like literally, can I get a therapy dog while yeah. do this? Is that possible? Yeah, I wish my dog was with me right now. Um, no, but disclaimer too for people listening. Hopefully, results will probably change by then. So, right. let's just start with the Senate. Um, you know, we had kind of big hopes of the Senate flipping. It's not necessarily looking like that right now. This is, but... this is a liberal podcast, I take it. Is that correct? I say we. <laughs> Why no, do you have to expose um, us? It might be. To be. <laughs> Why do you have to expose us? We're still good on the facts, though. We hold our facts. We're true with our exactly. facts, right? That's all that matters. <laughs> but where are we with the results oh, for yeah. well, the Senate Well, if you're Senate a Democrat, right it was a disastrous night in the Senate, I would think, for you, right? Um, no, I, I most... I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about polling. I mean, it, but it is a big story from this race. No, the, de yeah. the Democrats will Definitely. not capture the Senate this year. There's almost, barring, you know, there, there, there's a lot of kind of a few unknowns. Like, you know, there's some races like North Carolina where, well, you know, he's down 100,000 votes, the Democratic challenger, Cal Cunningham. But like, well, how many are out there in the mail and where are they from? Could that really tip it? I mean, there's some small chance of that in a few places that happening. But yeah. it, uh, the odds seem very, very low at this time of the Democrats capturing the Senate. And it's hard to even, I mean, you're getting into fantastical thinking almost at this point, barring the unknown, like some yeah. unknown things we just don't know about. Right? Definitely. I mean, I think I saw so many surprising races unfold. There was, speaking of polling, I feel like there were so many polls that were showing races tighter than they, they were before election day. Um, and I feel like that's been some of the, the disappointment we've been seeing across the board for Democrats is the fact that, oh no, there were several independents running, for example, in some of these races, and they took a good 6% of the margin or, um, you know, that it was outside funding from other states, you know, people that were really trying to, you know, push their, their way in there. And, I, you know, I think the question is where, you know, where did the polls go wrong? What were they, they not Yeah, like you for? could look at like uh, Iowa where that looked like a toss up and the Democrat lost by six points, Teresa Greenfield. She looked like a great candidate. Um, you could go to Montana, you know, Steve Bull, he ends up losing by four or five, he was tied. Uh, uh, Alaska, um, the, oh, John Ossoff in, in Georgia, all of them look like they law will lose by four or five points when it looked like a tie race almost before. Uh, I just think this is a huge blow for the polling industry or that they don't, they are getting it wrong. I'm a big defender of polling. I, I teach, I mentioned, I teach methods. I like try to convince yeah. students that polls <laughs> well done are pretty accurate right there. Mm -hmm. um, but, and I was very defend, defended the polls in 2016 because it showed like Hillary, the national poll showed Hillary Clinton would win by three points 
Oh, she won by two points. Uh, they were wrong in three or four states, like Wisconsin, where they didn't really poll that much. So I was like, aha, you know, let's not be too hard on polling. Really wasn't that far off. The modelers got it wrong. This year, it's like the final real, real clear politics average had Biden up like seven. You know, yeah. and that's a landslide, a seven by today's standard. He would have won lots of other states. Now he may end up winning by three and a half or something, but, and, but all those Senate races that were supposedly very nip and tuck, they weren't close. Um, so I do think the sort of entire polling industry and forecasting of elections industry uh, is really having an existential crisis about sort of, like, yeah. wow. <laughs> wow. Do you think it's like the math and the methods or do you think it's this new era we're in of just the I, Trump era and what that all means? I mean, polls were never designed to tell you like within 1% who would win something. They were designed to tell you like, oh, roughly 50% of people believe something. They're used in marketing all the time. Like we wanted, like, was this product going to be appealing? And you go out and you do a, a survey and oh, 50% of people say they would buy this. Well, if it's 45 or 55, it doesn't really matter, right? But in an election where like 1% is like, you, winning is everything, right? So losing it. So they were never really designed to predict like to the T exactly who would win an election. But the day before the election, there were five or six of them who had Joe Biden winning by seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 points. Reputable wow. posters, right? Yeah. Very good people with good track records and they were wrong, right? So um, I've heard some conservative pollsters say that like there was a hidden Trump vote or people didn't want to tell pollsters who they were voting for. Um, and some of them might have, they might've actually been right, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I mean, I think the only thing I've seen recently where, you know, the poll is right was a bakery out of Pennsylvania. They've been predicting based on oh. cookie purchases. I kid you what not. What are they showing for Pennsylvania? Uh, election... What's what have they showed, you know? Well, I can't say I would like the winner, but uh -oh. um, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> oh, now you're just like, we're all but hanging regardless... out in my head. You just ruined the night for me. Okay. The cookie... They've been right so for like sorry. 10 elections in a row or something. Right? The cookie called it. <laughs> But speaking of like how elections end, um, for example, Georgia is going into a runoff. Um, that's not, you know, the case for all states and how they progress with certain elections. You know, that's a, you know, 50% window you have to hit there to win. What does that mean? How does a runoff operate? Well, um, there are, are a few states like Georgia and, um, and oh, I'm sorry, Georgia and Louisiana and several cities have what's called the jungle primary where anybody can run. Like, so you could have like 10 Democrats and five Republicans. And that's what the Georgia one had, like 20 candidates running for Senate. And then what they if nobody gets 50%, they take the top two and have a runoff. Uh, that's fairly unique. Not that Georgia and Louisiana, I believe, are the only states that run their Senate elections or their statewide elections that way. So we know in Georgia, there'll be one runoff, right, for uh, it looks like Kelly Loeffler against Raphael Warnock. Um, in December, I think it's December 5th or something like that, they will have a runoff for that seat, right? Wow, that's, that's gonna be crazy. Well, it would be very crazy if that was actually gonna determine who controlled, then both parties would like fly in there, there'd be millions spent, tens of millions. True. It's not clear that race yeah. would be, be determined who gets to, to control the chamber though. Definitely. Well, I guess we'll get into the presidential race, <laughs> where we're at <laughs> with that. Um, for everyone listening, we are recording this at 4.19 p.m. Pacific time um, on Wednesday, November 4th. So might change, but right now. Um, they could have just announced what, the state or something. We don't know. Right? I know. I, I have like the TV on right here. I'm keeping my eye on it. Okay. But um, no. So right now, 
I guess, where are we with election results and like really what are the pathways for each candidate, I guess, um, well, to win and- uh, you know, I, I tend to trust the Associated Press and even Fox News has an election division, which tries to operate as a news division. Uh, and they both sort of have uh, Biden with 264 electoral votes, right? And then they have four or five states uncalled. Uh, the Democrats are only up in one of them currently, Nevada, with six electoral votes, which would give Joe Biden if he won at the 270. I mean, if you look at the vote counts, if you were, you'd still be a little nervous about Arizona, you know, which has been called by some yeah. networks for the Democrats and not by others. But you're sort of hoping people sort of have the knowledge they need to sort of the, the experts figured that out. Um, so, you know, so Joe Biden's path is to win Nevada. That would get him to 270. Uh, possibly win Nevada and Pennsylvania or just Pennsylvania. That would get him over 270. Or, uh, you know, Georgia is within, you know, a point right now. And there's, we keep getting conflicting reports. And Nate Silver just rated, like, uh, I got a text a half hour ago that Georgia's a toss-up in his analysis, right? So mm -hmm. Joe Biden has three ways to get to 270, right? Mm -hmm. um, so Trump does not, right? He has fewer ways. We're talking, this is before anybody starts filing lawsuits or anything like that, right? We're simply well, yeah, talking we'll get about, into that, too. <laughs> we're we'll definitely get into about. that. Uh, it seems likely that Trump will hold on to North Carolina, you know, he's a, and he'll probably win Georgia. And it's really going to come down, if you thought about it, to Nevada and Pennsylvania would be the most likely of Wow. So Trump probably <laughs> um, feels like if Trump, if you were a sort of, if you weren't, if you were a Democrat or you were just anybody who wasn't worried about a whole bunch of legal challenges and believed the vote, you might be fairly optimistic about Biden winning, Pence, winning Nevada, and that would give him 270, which is the number to win, right? Mm -hmm. We've had very close elections before. George W. George H. W. Bush won with 271 in 2000, right? I mean, we've had that. I mean, that would be incredibly close, 270, but that's not wouldn't be unprecedented. Yeah. yeah. Um, and but Pennsylvania too right now is there's a lot of eyes there though because um, right. that is right Trump's kind of main pathway. That's his main right pathway now. if he yeah gets that. Um, yeah. But there are a million votes still not. Is that what you there. just heard as of ten minutes ago or something? Is that right? Is that true? I think so. I think it was like a million and a hundred thousand or something. Right. Um, which seems crazy. And that kind of also I guess leads us to a question of like, does this happen? normally as far as waiting for election results like this um, and kind of why are we seeing it like this this year? Well, uh, it often, in a close election, it takes a day or two to figure out even without, we'll talk about the pandemic and all the mail votes, it takes a day or two, right? Um, they didn't, you know, that that's very typical that in a close election, you want to make sure you have it. They re-canvass all the precincts. But this is not a typical election year, right? This is a year when you know we're having a once in a generation or more than generation once in a once in a millennium um, pandemic that you know many people in many states tried to make it easier to vote. I live in I live in California. Where are you two these days? I'm in California too. Where New are York. you? You're both California. <laughs> New York. I'm in New York. So we're basically like, all the California states. made the decision to send every single person an absentee ballot. Who was registered that cost a four i mean like so they just made that decision so that means they have thousands and millions in this case of this state of thing ballots in the mail so what's going on in pennsylvania so michigan and wisconsin who really got through pretty quickly you know they've already kind of won networks of some networks have declared both of them they basically have a sense of who what they think won and here we are 24 hours after the polls close that seems perfectly reasonable in a close election 
but Pennsylvania has all these millions of absentee ballots and you might, well, why didn't they start counting them? Because the state legislator wouldn't let them. The state laws of Pennsylvania do not allow you to count the ballots prior to the closing of polls. That isn't true in, uh, in Florida, which had a ton of absentee ballots. They were allowed to start counting for a week. So that's why they knew the vote. The same within Texas, same within North Carolina. So the, this is, gets very in the weeds, but the Democrats wanted to change, the state wanted to change the rules and say, well, let's start counting earlier so we have a, a better answer to who won our state quicker. Uh, the Republicans control the state legislature in Pennsylvania and would not allow that. So it's almost like they're like conspiring with Trump to make sure that the vote was delayed so you could complain about it, right? But they were doing that for mm -hmm. in ahead, of, ahead of time. So yeah. all three of those states, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania do not allow you to start counting very early. Mm -hmm. So this is not usual, but it seems entirely explainable, I would say to you. The other question we had, we kind of, you kind of touched on this, but what are good sources to really look at election results? Because again, you said Associated Press, but then we have all these kind of big media conglomerates calling things. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, I guess, and also what are projections and like, what? Is that official? Question. What do those even mean? We have this, this very strange history of like, like, why are we even calling the election on election night? You know, they're not, because no, no state certifies their results as official on election night. These are the unofficial results. They put them all together. The Secretary of State in many of the states goes back and asks all the counties, okay, is it give us your final counts? Did you adjust them a little? Is that it? But we have this history of expecting to have a winner announced on election night. And so the networks, it used to be CBS, ABC, NBC for decades, would sort of project who won the uh, race. You know, they would, they'd look at, okay, what was the polling on the race? Okay, we have half the vote in and we can see how these counties in this state have acted before. So we feel comfortable making a projection. They were doing that last night. Like they called Minnesota for Biden with, you know, still 20% outstanding as they looked and said, oh, how much, which counties are missing and how do those counties usually vote? So this is an odd haste to get us the results as quickly as possible as dominating this process, right? Definitely. And I think we're, we're seeing that from the president himself, too, trying to make his own announcements <laughs> without all the facts in hand, um, you know, accusing, you know, with all these accusations of voter fraud and, you know, telling Democrats that, you know, they're stealing the election, they're stealing votes and God knows what else. I refuse to look at Twitter for the rest of the day. Uh, but what is he referring to? You know, what does this mean? Yeah. Well, does it hold merit, essentially? And what? What do these claims even do, aside from maybe just like stir up his base? I, <laughs> I think he's making them because he's concerned he would lose, right? So he wants to, you know, we've never had a, anybody act like this. Every we've been saying this for three or four years. Gee, we've never had a modern president do that. Gee, we've never had a modern, like you know, like did I stop counting the votes? So really? But they've all been almost everything we're yeah. aware of in terms of ballots. They're all legally cast. They're following the state laws of each state. Some states say they have to be in by election day. Some states say they have to be postmarked on election day. Some states say they have to be postmarked by election day, but they need to be in with three days for them to be valid. We've allowed all the states to have all these rules forever. So he came out last night for anyone who was up at I guess two o'clock at your time, eleven something our time, right? <laughs> and basically said he'd won and that any other verdict was gonna be fraud. And so the only reasonable way to interpret that is he's trying to sow doubt because he's concerned he might've actually lost. And so therefore he wants to be able to challenge the vote. He wants citizens to rise up and make sure and support his claim to the presidency, right? 
This is completely yeah. unprecedented. This is the disaster scenario for many of us analysts, right? Who are thinking, could someone just win clearly, right? Wouldn't it be nice? <laughs> I don't. I don't expect normalcy Do anymore, though. So I guess so. You feels, were prepared. I was ill prepared. This feels normal. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I definitely feel that, and it, it makes sense from you know strategy perspective why he would be doing this. And of course, when we're talking strategy. Um, with Trump in this election, we have to talk about the Supreme Court um, and the possibility of, you know, lawsuits and suits already being filed and whatnot. Do you think his claims will have any, you know, sway in any of these cases or, uh, is, you uh, know? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, you have a, first of all, he needs to lose first, right? Otherwise he doesn't need these cases, right? So mm -hmm. uh, I think tomorrow, is it tomorrow? Sure. Uh, uh, <laughs> Maddie, how's it going? How's, uh, how's Nevada looking? <laughs> Do you know, have you, have you got any updates? Yet? Um, <laughs> Well, apparently a lot of, I think Arizona, Nevada, and maybe Georgia will have their counts ready tonight. You could have a system tonight if that, or tomorrow. I think Nevada was going to be tomorrow, but then they were, people didn't like that. So they were going to rush and try, I don't know, uh, where he could be called, Biden could have 270 tonight. And are the networks then going to come rushing out and say he's our projected winner or not, right? Oh, key race alert. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> what, what is it? What is it? Um, it's just another probably nonsense breakdown. Oh, no, because there's, a lot, there's not a lot of non news key alerts, right? There's nothing really. Common. Yeah. Key alert. With the dramatic <laughs> music. Casual heart attack. Um, I'm not a lawyer. I looked at the five or six cases that we saw challenged before the election. You know, they tried to block certain votes from counting beforehand, uh, and they mostly lost. And I've talked to a few people, it's a little hard to mount a case. Like, well, how, what's the, what's, so let's just say Pennsylvania counts all their votes and they take three days to do it. And, you know, Biden wins by half a percent, right? And they declare him the winner. Um, what is his cut? If, they, if, if Pennsylvania followed the state law that was passed by the legislature, then it's hard to understand what the case is. Can Trump, can the Trump administration prove fraud? They'd have to prove it. They'd have to go and show, oh, look at all these fraudulent ballots we, that were counted. That would be seemingly unlikely or hard to prove. Um, so it's not exactly clear. Uh, we know that in one of the states in Texas, I don't know if you saw this, they tried to get 127,000 votes kicked out because one yeah. of the counties was allowing drive-through drop-up voting because of COVID, right? And like the law didn't specifically allow that. <laughs> like very specifically say in a pandemic, you're, we're going to give them the power to drop off votes, right? Uh, and that, that was kicked out. That was sort of thrown out by both state and federal courts. But just imagine Trump making 20 or 30 claims across five key states. Are you going to find a federal judge who says, well, this has merit. And then it gets kicked up to the Supreme Court and then the drama and the intrigue is going to be no, terrible, right? Lots of possibilities. No, no, I, I, oh I mean, like, I, I'm very curious to see if Nevada and Arizona hold um, and, tr and Biden has 270, that's the number, right? Are mm -hmm. they gonna call him the winner? Will the networks say he has the amount of electoral votes yeah. to win the presidency, right? And if it makes it to the Supreme Court, I mean, there's all these worries because the Supreme Court was- Well, we don't believe, now. we don't trust, people don't trust the Supreme Court anymore. Like several of them are, oh, they're partisan hacks now. They're not fair yeah. jurists anymore. So um, I will say that Brett Kavanaugh wrote something in one of the early verdicts that would have anybody a little frightened. I don't know if you saw this. He said, well, we don't want too many late votes coming in or something like that, but it could flip an election. And then Elena Kagan, who wrote the dissent, said, what do you mean flip an election? There's no flipping an election. You count all the votes, and then you see what the election is. You don't flip anything, right? 
So, but the fact that he used that word sounded like kind of a Republican talking point and it sort of made several judicial yeah, watchers definitely. and the courts kind of nervous. Yeah. I mean, th these conversations are just, sometimes I feel even just dumb for even asking these questions that, about that's Trump. That's the whole point of your show, like, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. No, but it's like with Trump, I'm just like, you know, the rumors that swirl about him because of the things that he says and the things that he tweets that often he doesn't even have any jurisdiction oh, to actually right. do. Right. But it scares people and it worries people. So, I mean, there's even, you know, conversations that Trump could just not accept. I mean, he says these things he could just not accept the results if he loses um some people believe that he just like wouldn't leave the white house like is this even possible and like what kind of checks and balances do we have in place to prevent this um I and now mean, especially like with the senate <laughs> there there's so many scenarios here right that's one of the you know that's like why this is why this is the disaster scenario we have an entirely close election we have the president suing in five states, blaring on his Twitter account that there's been massive fraud in five states. He really won easily, right? And, but the vote looks like it's 270 to 268. What happens? Um, you know, he'll sue a lot if he keeps losing. You're know, just gonna be watching all these suits. Oh, oh, they're hearing the Wisconsin case today. Oh, they're hearing the, but you're saying, what if he refuses to leave? After, if the electoral college says he lost, I have no doubt he will leave, right? The Republicans mm -hmm. will not stand by at that point. It is getting to that point that I worry about if it's a very, very tight, close race, right? Um, you know, will Republic, you know, Republicans have sort of stood by and let him do most things many people think are violating democratic norms. So if he says, I'm not, a, you know, I, you know, if, you know, can Republicans in Pennsylvania or Nevada say, you know, we're not going to recognize those electoral votes, you know, what, what happens? I, it becomes, this is when the whole system, our system of rule of law begins to erode or could erode and you're just, it's very worrisome what would happen. Uh, if yeah. it, let's say the result is 270 to 268, which is a very plausible outcome at this point, right? Uh, then we're gonna be watching for faithless electors, right? I mean, like, like you, if, when, you're, when you vote for president, you're really voting for a slate of people who claim they will support somebody and each state picks them differently. Like, well, okay, one or two of those jump ship from Biden, that could change the outcome of the election. And we're gonna be watching that because they don't vote until you know, January 6th or something like that. So this really is the kind of scenario to be afraid of if it ends so close where it's not really clear who won or if it's clear kind of who won, but it's so close, right? Yeah. What's oh, your man. biggest fear? <laughs> um, well, it's just funny, the whole, conversation around the electoral college and whether they'll you know vote with what we expect who won um but that's exactly that's something that a lot of us in 2016 hoped that the electoral college would do is like end up just going with hillary so now we're in a place where it's like we'll and it didn't happen so now i don't know what yeah, well, I mean, the grounds it's for going right. for Hillary, well, she won the popular vote by almost 3 million votes. That, that was, you could have imagined the kind of an argument that that would make sense, right? Uh, this will be the other way. Biden's going to win by three and a half or four million votes, one would guess at this point, maybe even a few more, right? Um, so, yeah, no, but we're just going to be watching terrified about those electors. <laughs> right. Right. Or like oh, a state, man. like, you know, Biden won one electoral vote in Nebraska. You saw that, right? Well, yeah. Oh, we story. wanted to ask you about that because we also, I don't know, you didn't teach me this, I guess. <laughs> what are these congressional districts? <laughs> well, you know now, I'm sure you know now, there are two states that dark winner take all for the Electoral College, right? Maine and Nebraska. 
And so if you win the state, you get two electoral votes, which count for the senators, and then they apportion them by the congressional districts. So, you know, the district that has Omaha and Lincoln, Nebraska, where the university is, tends to be more democratic. And they called it for Biden last night. So, but now does like the Nebraska state legislature run in because they're very conservative and try to invalidate that method? I mean, like all these sorts of things could start happening, right? If it's a 270 to 268 race. Yeah. Oh. And will, will, if, if the race is clearly Biden won, he wins by 4 million votes, he's legitimately won 270 electoral votes. Will mainstream Republican politicians in the Senate, the governors, sort of not stand with Trump, who's you know blaring fraud at the top of his lungs? I, that that would be a big question, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that plays into my fear, and I think I've seen this play out over the last few years. Is just how many Republicans have not, you know, supported sort of the right way of things or the rule, rule of law, the rule right? of law, the norms that we have. You know, it's it's crazy to me to think of like some of the insane things that Trump has said or done and that they've still stood by him. Um, so I think my fear is us getting to this next level, this next space, and then standing by him. While, while the Republican legislature in Pennsylvania decides to send a different slate of electors than the ones that were like that. that yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that seems yeah. that feels possible based on what we've watched the last four years. Right. right. Yeah. And I think that kind of leads us to our next question of what on earth is going to happen? I know, obviously, we're, you know, still in the midst of figuring out, okay, who's even going to be claimed as the winner and whatnot. But I, I know from like being in the city, I mean, everything is boarded up. Um, all, all the life that was happening in New York, like just went dead for like- Donald Trump said it was a ghost hours. town beforehand, it wasn't? <laughs> It was not. Let me just make that very clear. <laughs> it was a great place and it still is and New York's the best, blah, blah, blah. But regardless of that, it did get a little like eerie. Like last night, like everything started getting boarded up. Um, I think businesses were just concerned as to, you know, what could potentially happen. And so you think that there could be some residual violence or protest riots that happen as a result of the you know election being called a certain way you could imagine a lot of protesting that leads to rioting and violence in many american cities right now on the other side if you know trump supporters are convinced because he's telling them this every minute right that you know i'm being cheated out they're cheating right now they're cheating right now in pennsylvania they're falsifying oh, the whole michigan thing have you seen that tweet that's going around that not by him but somebody else like how michigan they added a hundred thousand votes but only went to Biden and Trump, Biden, Trump got zero. So therefore that had to be fake is how could you have it? And it's like these, you know, we live in the world of complete false information spread rapidly yeah. on the internet. So what would Trump supporters do if they actually feel right. that Biden's was unjustly seated, right? Yeah, really both sides, regardless of what happens, mm -hmm. can be expected to protest at the least, I think. So, so you know, like more, you know, conservative militias armed storming state capitals. I mean, that seems to be that that seems to be that size method as opposed to large demonstrations that end up being violent or looting in the streets and cities seems to be the sort of the left's sort of method, right? Yeah, that's what I when we were looking at Michigan for a while, I was like, how could that not go blue after all? And it all barely that did, nonsense, apparently. But, like, the raise, I mean, I know yeah. that like the was storming the state capitol with huge guns, right? Who let them just walk in here like that? I mean, that's legal, right? That that violates, you know, right, right. insane. So, what is your well, what are your two predictions? What's going to happen in the next? What are we? What are we? If we're here for a week from now, what are we going to say? Uh, I'm probably too like optimistic. I need to change that about myself. <laughs> remember that about you you're very positive right you're very uh... <laughs> i mean yeah i don't know we'll see i it looks like 
like Biden's in a good place right now, which is good news to me. But again, there's all these different things that can happen, obviously, from court cases to rioting. So it's all unknown. I'm I'm worried, regardless, honestly, of what happens, even if Biden wins, I think we'll see a lot of drama. It's not over. Oh, no, you mean like if he's declared the next few days, he won, he's got 270 or more. Yeah. I, I expect that we will have drama up until inauguration day. Yeah. Whoever is, um, you know, sworn in at that point, that's maybe when it starts calming down a little bit. But I expect a fight from both sides, no matter what. Um, I think I'm more on the pessimistic side on this one. Maybe it's I just have too many friends from Pennsylvania. Uh, <laughs> they're they're not uh, they're not optimistic about turning the numbers. <laughs> no, not after they spoke to their parents. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, there's some frightful things that I I know um, in terms of that electorate, unfortunately or fortunately, firsthand. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not as optimistic. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not over till the fat lady sings, I suppose. But I I rather be pleasantly surprised yeah. than you know disappointed. That, to me, it feels like the best case scenario for peace and tranquility is Biden. <laughs> Biden winning Pennsylvania and Georgia, which is, these are all possibilities, and Nevada. So he's actually, he's up near 300, right? And it's not, we're not, we're not down to one state and one place needing to be contested. Um, And then we would have a little time to simmer down, you know, maybe, but um, I mean, like the president's behavior is just, I mean, we say this on every topic is just kind of unbelievable, right? The divisiveness of it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, absolutely. I'm that cheerful. Now, I know. I'm like, well, <laughs> how do we how do we end this in a good way? I guess right now we can't because it's just there's too many unknowns. But we hope for the best, right? I don't know. Fingers crossed. Um, but thank you for coming on. I mean, this has been really helpful. Oh boy, thank you for having me. Well, let's get into next steps, um, which is hard to believe. There are next steps after this election like really just thought the world like stops after the this election just because of the freaking hype but but plot yeah, twist but it's also not over yet which is crazy so first things first um make sure your vote is counted um if you have that option in your state um you can go and check for California, for where I am, you can check with your secretary of state. So you can probably do that in your state, but you have to double check that your state allows that. So that's a good thing to do. Check your that your vote was counted. I saw like a tweet earlier. Somebody checked that their vote was counted and it actually said it was rejected because of a signature and they had to like call and um, confirm that that was indeed their ballot kind of thing. So it can happen. So definitely check so your vote gets counted. Absolutely. And then also too, this is the perfect time to keep the foot on the gas and to stay engaged and to stay informed. Um, we say a lot here, you know, sort of knowledge is power. And if you don't know the, you know, you don't know the problem in the first place, you're not going to know how to solve it. So stay, you know, stay tuned and subscribe for our next episodes because we're going to be continuing to break down all these election topics and even political topics, government topics, all these things and give you the information you need. So that next time around you are informed and you're ready to roll. And also that you can start this work, this political work before an election even happens. And that's something we really want to make sure that you guys have on hand in terms of, you know, tools, 
ready to roll. So um, the best way to do that, subscribe, um, rate, review too. Why not? Um, We love that. We absolutely love that. (laughs) Um, And follow us on Insta too, because that's where we will be telling you, you know, when new new episodes drop uh, and giving you, you know, all the content you need to stay motivated and stay informed because um, we're in this together and, you know, it's not over yet, but this is definitely a time to um, keep with yeah. it. So and stay safe. Totally. And even when it's deemed over, like it's not over. And no matter who wins, it's not over. So keep fighting, keep staying engaged. Like it's so important. And like, let's be honest, we definitely faced some losses like this election. It wasn't the like sweeping victory we all thought. Like, yeah. We saw such amazing energy this year, but it just goes to show, like, this is a long game. Things don't change that, like, overnight with one election. We have to keep going. You have to keep staying engaged. And, um, yeah, do that with us. We got you. (laughs) No, yeah, just (laughs) stay energized for sure. Um, The other thing we just wanted to put out there, um, we talked about potential unrest, potential protesting, um no matter what happens we might see some of that so just stay safe um the other thing if you do want to go protest like we're gonna put some protesting tips in the episode description of this so knowing your rights as a protester how to stay safe and how to keep things peaceful all that good stuff um if you do plan to attend a protest but again just stay safe out there Things, again, are going to probably get crazy. Let's just be honest. Let's be real. But stay hopeful and stay energized and stay informed. Um, And also, too, while you guys are uh, out and about, if you have any other questions about this election, uh, and of course, politics in general, but specifically right now as we're, we're working through what's probably going to be a crazy two more months, you know, until Election Day, please DM us. Uh, We're here to help. We're here to find answers to those questions for you. Uh, Please look at us as a a resource um, and a friendly one too. I promise we don't bite. So hit us in the DMs um, and we'll make sure to get your questions answered. Love that. You said election day, but we know you meant inauguration day. So. (laughs) God damn it. It's okay. It's okay. That's what I'm here for. Honestly, I think we're at like two mm-hmm. brain 100%. cells at this point. I mean, After this day, I'm, you know, emotionally on this roller coaster and you there's just some some hey, brain so slippage. Fair. I mean, I feel like we're all there right now. But again, everyone listening, don't give up. Keep fighting, keep staying informed, stay safe, <laughs> and like Joe Biden says, keep the faith. Wow. <laughs> Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.